Hi, I'm Rahat. Hi, I'm Hospital, and you're listening to Tech for Humans. Welcome to Tech for Humans. Today's guest is Daniel Adianju. Daniel, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. How you doing, everyone? Um, first of all, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, my name is Daniel Adianju. I do a, a few different things, but I think it all goes under this umbrella of being a tech and inclusion and innovation strategist. So I'm all about um, having more people at the table of innovation. How do we create opportunities for everyone to be part of creating this future? Um, underneath that, I have a company called Be Great Today, and I consult with various projects that align with that. So um, for example, I've been working with Children's Aid to expose high school seniors to technology. So we're hoping that some of them will, will go into careers in computer science or majors in computer science, ultimately careers in computer science. And I'm helping start a nonprofit teaching um, cloud technology, um, starting with the folks in the Bronx. And uh, because of Rona, it's probably gonna start online. So um, that might change geographically, um, but we're all adapting and, and trying to have impact. So really great to be here on Tech for Humans with the two of you. Awesome. So fun fact, um, if you've been listening to this podcast, you'll know that Hospital and I went to high school together. Daniel was actually also in our uh, graduating classes that we yeah. call it. Oh, nine, uh, so fine. Oh, nine. <laughs> it, it seems like so long ago, right? It does. <laughs> Another fun fact, uh, Daniel was in a rival rap group to yeah, the one that yeah. I was in, and we yeah, had a lot yeah. of beef. <laughs> yeah, I was reflecting on that. I'm like, wow, that's it's so interesting how interesting <laughs> that is to hip hop. It's like this contention, right? We're like the only ones doing it. And it's like, hey, but I'm a rapper. It's like that, that Spider-Man meme. It's like, yeah. hey, man, like, um, but great times. And it's amazing how we've all converged around technology, still being music files. And I Definitely. constantly find intersection between music and technology and the creation aspect Absolutely. and all that. Yeah, definitely. I, I remember when I like started getting into code technology or whatever, there's a ton of like former musician slash, oh, yeah. uh, not, I was about to say producers, um, developers. And it's crazy to me how like common it is. Like people come from like different creative backgrounds into technology. So. 100%, yeah. I, I, just, I just want to talk about how you, sorry, sorry, Daniel, but I want to talk about how you guys glossed over your fake beef. Everyone <laughs> thinks you guys had real beef, but it was fake the whole time. You guys scripted everything. <laughs> I don't really, so, I don't, I, I don't I, remember. I, it was so long ago. I just remember <laughs> it was just like two musicians for like, we did performances and things like that. Um, but yeah, like all those, all those experiences, I actually still have it on my, I have it on my LinkedIn, like under Bronx Science. I'm like, I had a rap group. Still one of the most interesting things about me, which yeah. I hope I can find other interesting things to develop, but it was, it was a great time. What about you, Hasibol? Were you into music at all? Um, I mean, I listen to music, but never like creating music. I took that, uh, I forgot that class we took music creation or something in senior Did year. You music? Yeah. Theory or something. I forget. We had to come up with a song. Oh my gosh. That's, that, yeah. I remember that. It, we actually had to come up with a song. It's so crazy. And I ended up just putting random stuff together and I got a 95 on the test. I don't know how. So like that's as far as my music creation goes. Um, but I love listening to music. Um, I think a couple people paid me to make beats for them to submit for like a final project. <laughs> for that class? I... Yeah. Oh, were you in the music production class with the like, with yeah, the digital music the, class, with yeah. MIDI and everything? Oh, you were in digital yeah. music. I was in regular music theory. See, I didn't yeah, know how yeah. to get into those cool classes. Like I just did like all the regular stuff. Um, but that's dope that y'all did, did like the music production class. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was my first time I actually touched a MIDI keyboard. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Cool. Awesome. So yeah, the reason we brought you on, we want to definitely talk about some of the things you touched on and you introduce yourself a little bit. Um, we can start maybe with um, uh, the company that you started, you said, I think, Be Great. Sure. Yeah. Be Great today. And I'll, I'll go a step further, a step backwards too, just tell you about my story because um, I kind of jump into where I'm at now, but who I am today is a function of all the things, places I've been um, awesome. that led up to this. And even like high school was... Um, was kind of like this, in a sense, the second step. Like I was actually into coding and into technology prior to high school. Um, I grew up in a household where my dad is into um, network, like kind of the hardware stuff. 
Um, I didn't really take to that as much. I really took to technology and applications, whether using them or trying to create them. I'd write like a C++ application, it would crash, and I would just be like, I don't have anybody to go to to ask questions. So um, early on I had this fascination, but I had no um, way of going beyond kind of the basics that I could get from books. Um, I was also easily lured in by other things. So I'd be like coding, and the next day I'd be like trying to do animations. Um, nothing really working, um, but I was very ex I was I was, I was always exploring ways to interface with technology. Um, when I went to science, it was just like, all right, yo, this is hard. Um, I have no time. I can't do nothing. Um, so that actually like set me back in terms of advancing technology. I didn't even apply for any of the computer science class. Like I said, I didn't really venture out and try to take advan full advantage of science at the time. Um, and I was kind of in this immigrant mode of um, doctor, lawyer, engineer. And I'm like, um, well, yep. I don't really know what a lawyer... I mean, I know lawyer, like I see it on TV, but I'm pretty sure this is not what they actually do. It seems boring as hell. Um, engineering um, didn't really appeal to me in the sense of like electrical, the, the standard electrical engineering, building bridges, civil engineering. Those disciplines didn't call out to me. Um, I, computer science didn't really emerge as a thing to me, to be honest with you. Like, it was just like, oh, I know computers, but I don't think it, it just, it wasn't in the world, it, it wasn't in my purview of things you could do or should do, right? Um, so the default was medicine, right? I want to help people. And this is a, a lifelong kind of thrust and everybody encourages, oh, you want to be a doctor? That's great. Because, I mean, people don't want to die. So they want your, their friends to be doctors. Um, so I went to college uh, majored in biology uh, initially, well, almost four years, thinking, all right, I'm going to do biology, do med school, um, realize at some point, hey, I actually hate biology classes. Um, I don't really want to take all these classes to become a doctor, ultimately. There's so many other ways to help people. Um, and I kind of stumbled into technology through a good friend of our, mutual friend of ours, Jake, um, who we're still really close till today, started... Um, he started that transition while in college, like starting to work on projects in tech. And um, he kind of um, made real, because I've been hearing about startups, but he was kind of made it real. Like I work in a place with startups. So he made that intro, got my first job in tech, running operations and product for um, an online food ordering company. So after college, I spent almost two years, two years plus just like absorbing and understanding that industry understanding how startups work, understanding, like, I felt super blessed. And this is where the inclusion innovation comes in. I felt super blessed to just be in the room. Like, this world I had no, no idea about. I saw nobody that looked like me. No, very few black folks were in the industry. Mm -hmm. um, it was it was very, very, like, different from what I'd been seeing in college, right? In college, you only hear about the kind of typical career paths, Um and it's very unclear what you can do. But, like, I suddenly saw all these opportunities to create your own products to improve people's lives. So while I was there, I was like, my CEO is a programmer. My CTO was a programmer. CS backgrounds. I was like, well, I guess I got to be a programmer to be able to, like, really operate in this field. I did a second bachelor's in computer science at Lehman College in the Bronx um, while working. I started while working um, up until the last two semesters. And I also did a second. I also did a boot camp. Um, in the first of the last two semesters after I left um, the, the online food ordering company, Bring Me That, I um, started to um, realize that like mobile development is where everything is going. So that's why I did a mobile development boot camp. It's no longer um, in progress. It was at Flatiron School, which is still around and doing great. Uh, but that combination of CS background and iOS domain-specific knowledge got me into my first role as an iOS developer for Macy's.com, which is on the West Coast. So Macy's the retailer, and I didn't know this at the time, that, yo, everybody needs technologists. Like, I kind of intuited it, and I knew it was a great way for me to have flexibility about where I work and things I do. But when I applied for Macy's, like, I didn't really understand, like, I couldn't really conceptualize that they had, like, hundreds of developers behind this app that, like, our moms use, right? Um, so I actually moved to the West Coast, was in California, um, doing this work as an iOS developer. Um, frankly, didn't love it. Like, didn't even like it, frankly. Like, there's parts of it I enjoy in terms of coding. I enjoy the problem-solving aspect, um, you know, yada, 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 all those things that you should enjoy. 
Um, but but I think I'm more interested in the in how the app actually impacts people's lives at the end, not so much the process of actually doing it. Um, and a part of that for me is making sure that the people that are building the apps reflect the diversity of the world, especially Black and Latino folks that are most underrepresented in the field and women. So um, I spent I started spending a lot of my free time helping students navigate because I noticed that like folks would go to school even when I was at Lehman and also to some extent at Binghamton. Folks would go to school, study computer science, or study something else, and just have no idea how to get to their next route. So that brought me to this world of becoming a career coach, which took me to Lehman College, um, spent some time there helping students get jobs. Um, but and, and while I was doing that, I was also putting on events, bringing people together around technology and innovation. And um, at a point, I, I, I was really interested in going on my own and seeing what that would be like. So I've been spending the past year um, running various programs and um, exposing folks to pathways into, into technology. So I'd say that's been my, my last year and the X years prior to that. Awesome. That's a lot of stuff, um, especially... I th that's that's awesome that you are kind of like going through and um, trying to figure out like ways to bring about even like the diversity and inclusion aspect of things, like even on your free time. Um, I, I think I remember, like I remember weird things sometimes. And yeah. I think you posted on LinkedIn um, one time about like how um, people, like especially from like immigrant families, um, when we're in school, we don't really know what at what point we're supposed to like actually be applying to internships or whatever. And I thought about that and I went back and I was like, yeah, I, when I was kind of like going through that phase, I had no idea that we should be applying for summer internships in the fall. That seemed like yeah. a weird, really weird concept to me. Yeah. Then like, especially people from like immigrant backgrounds like us, like we have no idea that this is a thing. Um, no one's really telling that to us. Um, so yes, I guess is stuff like that kind of like what you're incorporating in your career coaching for folks. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think uh, I'm I'm glad that some that's uh, that's like one of the things that you remember. And I think it's a great example of where I, I how I see myself in the ecosystem. I'm a connector. I'm a connector of people. I'm a connector of ideas. Um, whether they're connecting ideas between each other, and that's what creates innovation. Innovation isn't just coming out something out of the blue. It's about com combining old knowledge bring into new forms, um, creating new knowledge as a result, right? So, um, and, and making sure that people have access to that information. So that's what I'm really doing. Like, there are a lot of people for which that process of the internship is, like, ingrained in them. And, and I'll give you an example of why that might be, right? So somebody who has um, been in this country for generations uh, in terms of their family, um, they are simply following a blueprint that's already been set up for them, right? And now immigrant parents have have come from a different environment. They have that blueprint of how to survive in that environment, assumedly, and then they come into this new environment. That blueprint um, may not work exactly the same way. I mean, one of the blueprints and that the immigrants try to often default to is to become a doctor, you're indispensable, um, and you will be able to survive. You become a nurse, you'll be able to survive. You become, um, you know, in, in many contexts, I think law is a, is a, is a prestige in, um, engine, so it raises a class of a family, and then you can go and you're indispensable in society. Engineering, I believe, my theory around that is that just, like, makes you mad smart and you're a problem solver. So, like, back home, you can at least go and, like, fix things and, and provide for your family well that way. So outside of those core professions, there's a lack of awareness of, um, what those opportunities are that you need to plan ahead for, right? There's a whole spectrum of job that you can kind of just jump into, like government jobs, like you can take a test and, all right, great, your family's taken care of forever. That's another pathway. Um, less prestigious, but it's like, oh, you know, great, like at least, you know, you got money coming in safety. Um, these new careers or newer careers like in technology, uh, business, consulting, these kinds of fields, it's more amorphous. This is knowledge work, the future of work being that kind of knowledge work. And it's harder to navigate. It's harder to know I need to apply almost a year in advance for that role. Now, if someone tells you that, that gets you somewhere. Another thing is for you to see it. 
You need to see things to believe it. If my older sibling and my cousin and my uncle has done that pathway, I now believe it. For So for my part of my responsibility is to be the example that others can see. When I did the boot camp, when I did school, seems like a lot. And, and I, I just saw it as like, one, I'm setting up my ability to be able to do this work sustainably because I got to be able to eat. But also, I can always tell somebody coming down the line, you can do it because I did it too. So that's how I think about it. Like, how do you connect people to the right information, give them examples of how it's being done, whether that's myself or someone else in my in my network, um, and really just encourage people to be great. That's where the name comes from. Like, I want to challenge others to be great, and greatness is helping others be great. And that's why I love the name of your podcast, Tech for Humans. For, for a while, that was my tagline on um, LinkedIn. Like, tech is for the people. And I just did a post recently that got us some engagement where it's like, let's not forget that technology has been around since the beginning of time. We talk about fire, we talk about wheels. Technology, now we're talking about intertech technology. This is the most radical change in technology um, ever. And it's a multi, has a multiplier effect. So whatever technology you're building, you need to build it in service of people. And if you're building something in service of people, you need to talk to them, you need to know what they need and constantly make sure that you're improving their lives. So I'm all about tech for humans. And so you had, and you had asked before about, um, um, so be great. I think I touched on that. Um, and I think that houses a lot of my various projects. Um, I'm also really proud of having started at home in a sense. And I would say a lot of what I do with be great today, it overlaps very seamlessly with a volunteer organization I started with my alma mater. So, and I, I like to talk about this with people of all backgrounds and I, and I think it's a point of connectivity to a lot of other things. So folks will also realize that a lot of the times I, my focus is on black and Latino um, folks trying to enter the field. Um, and I also think a lot about women trying to enter the field. I actually think the most about black women entering the field, black and Latino women, right? So when we think about inclusion and, you know, we could t take it so broad, like I, I, it's a very, it's a tendency for some people um, very naturally, like if I'm talking about black folks, folks will be like, you know, well, what about everybody else? Right. And it's kind of like, it's this weird thing where people may perceive it as like, am I saying they're racist or am I saying that black people should get all the jobs before anyone because, um, of, of, of all that. Um, but what I'm really saying is this is a group that is really been disenfranchised. And, um, you know, when we talk about wealth, which is this concept of, um, of, of accumulated um, financial reserves, in a sense, of value that's been accumulated over generations, um, Black and Latino groups are the least likely to have that in America due to a lot of structures, right? So we can talk about the immigrant story, which I'm an immigrant, I'm a Black immigrant, so my story um, is different by design because, um, because of uh, having come to this country, but my kids... Are, now, are going to be American, right? They're going to be black American. They're going to not, they're going to be indistinguishable. So they will have the same challenges. And whether you've been here for generations or you just got here as a black person, there's still this challenge of, of developing um, generational wealth. And I believe that tech is a route for many people to develop, um, to, to, to develop that generational wealth. So by focusing on blacks and Latinos and women and and that intersection between of that, I hope to be able to increase access for everyone. Because if the group that has is the most um, discriminated against is able to be a part of the picture, and they're also thinking about inclusion, everyone should be a part of this shared story of building a more collective uh, prosperity. Which is, which is like, I mean, yo, there's so much money out here in the world. Like everyone can have. A, bit, a decent standard of living. Everyone can have access to education. Everyone can have access to healthcare. We just need more of our leadership. Um, and to some extent, I'm, I don't know if this is a word, techno leadership, right? All these tech companies making so right. much money, if Absolutely. they have the orientation to improve access for other people and use that imagination to create opportunity, I think the sky's the limit. The same way that, you know, if we can figure out how to get to the moon, I think we can figure out how to feed people here on earth very well said you know especially with with everything that's happening now with coronavirus we just think tech is just stepping up and they're creating solutions 
and it's about time someone's like something kicked their butt to get them in motion and this is great yeah man i mean the word you use there which we always we, we kick it to death right problem solving why problem solving should not be the the reserve of the the boot camp grad right um the the computer science major the um the engineer right like problem solving should when i talk about innovation inclusion i'm saying that every child should grow up thinking hmm there's a problem i need to i i have it within me in my mind in my heart to solve this problem in collaboration with other humans education fundamentally has to change from rote memorization learn this learn that spit it back to me i mean you know that stuff like just encourages cheating, encourages people to kind of find shortcuts. But like you'll actually solve a problem. What's something around you? What's something you don't like? Solve that problem. Create, write, uh, paint, uh, rap. Like I remember an example of problem solving intersection with intersecting with um, music was, and I have this. I have I've kept this paper though from from science. I had a class. It was an English class uh, with Miss Buchanan. Anybody remember Miss Buchanan? Do not. <laughs> Buchan. Not Buchanan. Buchan. So she's my English teacher in junior year. And I'm in um, I'm in a group with Jake and M.A. Look at the odds, of course. <laughs> um, and we had an assignment. And For I reference, recall, Jake and M.A. were also both rappers. Yes, yes. They were both in my, in my rap group. And Jake is, is the gentleman I mentioned who for me the job, still good friends, working together on a couple of things now. Um, our, our teacher had give, assigned us to tell a story i don't remember what medium she expected or what the but the parameters were like to convey some sort of idea about the roaring 20s if you remember the roaring 20s it's like um when the great the great gatsby if you ever saw that movie or read the book it's about this like really gilded time where people are just wilding like they're just conspicuous consumption is just like imagine just everybody's a rapper basically so I mean, that's literally what my thought process. I'm like, yo, so basically you're telling me that everybody's a rapper in this time and I rap, so I'm going to do a rap for this homework assignment. And um, that's what we did. I, did. I remember her first response. I, I, I got to check in with Jay because, like, her response, like, she kind of, she because I don't think she knew or maybe we were conveying to her. Then when we did the presentation, our presentation was the song with the breakdown of the lyrics and the context and all that. And she was aghast. She was just confused. Um, and, but, but like, maybe a day or so later, whenever she gave us back the assignment, we got, like, a 95, and she was, like, gushing, like, oh, this is so great. Like, I love this, that, and the third. I don't know what changed in that span of time. Um, but that was an example of we were given a problem to solve, a task, and we pulled from our experience and our unique approach to provide a unique response. That's exactly the type of skill set that's needed to survive and thrive in this future of work. Yeah, I really love that you bring that up. Um, like sometimes people ask me, like getting into technology or becoming a developer, like what should they do? And one thing I tell them that I've heard other people say too is like find a problem that you have and just try to solve it. It doesn't have to be a huge problem, just something small, whatever, something that you want to um, fix and try to fix it. And I think that doesn't just apply to technology. Like you just brought that up. Like you applied that same problem solving technique to something else. It doesn't just have to be in technology. It can be in tech, law, politics, whatever you want to do. So I really, really like that you mentioned that. Agreed. And I think it's frankly a skill set. And I realize it's more working with students and trying to teach it to them. Like I'm thinking like, you know, these are these are young folks, like they're probably already thinking this way. And I think this is one of the conceits of being in tech um, that at, at a point we start to surround ourselves with folks like, like us. And um, as much as I think, as much as I enjoy that, I want to make sure that these skills are not seen as they're just for us. Like I've even heard folks, so some folks will, will some, I've, I've heard some like programmers kind of like talk down boot camps um, for the simple reason that they're going to have competition at work. And then it's going to bring the price down. I don't know if you've heard that narrative, right? It's going to be all these developers. Yeah, I think that's hilarious. Just be a better developer, bro. Just be a better developer. <laughs> like, let's get more people in. Like, 
why are we afraid of having more people um, get smarter? Not to say that you're not smart before being tech, but like there are strong problem-solving skills that are emphasized in programming. So I'm all for people developing that skill of problem solving. So the point I want to make is that what I noticed, I had I had my students do a problem journal, which is a really great activity, right? So um, it's very easily said, yo, just solve a problem around you. That's actually really hard for most people because we've actually been taught that the way the world is is how it's going to be, which is the biggest lie ever. Um, right. and, but it's a great it's a great lie to keep us like you got to find something real quick to hold on to and just like latch onto that and just like just live life on autopilot when the people that are really making the money and moving the terms of society, they're, they have to think outside the box. That's how we have innovators, right? So if we can foster innovative thinking and it's a process, innovation is sometimes thought like just like light bulb just appears over your head and then you're like a crazy inventor or something like that. But it's, it's a process that's, that can be taught. It can be developed. So I would suggest that folks, actually intentionally sit down and write and journal and think about what are the things that I was frustrated about today and how could those things be better? Like it might be on a site that you already use and you might create a version of that site that works better. Um, it might be something like within a large macro problem space, such as um, we could be talking about hunger, right? And then you come up with some, what are some different problems in terms of hunger? You're talking to people. Like, before you get to the building, like, talk to people. Like, I see this way too often. We're in some, and we're all guilty of this. All right, I need to get a project for my, my, my portfolio. All right, what am I going to build, right? You just start building something, hacking something together. It's usually, like, a version of something that already exists already, uh, which isn't a bad thing. But, like, imagine, like, the story that you can tell in an interview that was, like, I was really frustrated um, about finding some sort of product that I need for my hair. And um, I realized it was hard to get reviews from my friends. I had to call my different friends. Like, I wondered, what if there was a review site, right? Even the review site concept, is that's not new. Um, it's not anything unique. And you could totally find a tutorial and just write it up. But the story is way better. And that story is what's going to resonate on the other side more than, yeah, I made a simple crud app, get some reviews, throw it on AWS. Like, the story is everything. I like that. Um, like, bringing, like, other people's kind of stories into things. Oh, yeah. Um, like, when I was first, like, I guess, coding or doing random projects, I would just, like, look at my problem, try to solve it. Um, and the whole th thing about like talking to other people and trying to get their perspectives on it wasn't something I did until more recently. And I think that really, really takes like a simple project into something that is really good. And the, the same could probably, it definitely can be applied to companies. It's like you can reach out to people, figure out what they need, what problem they're having, or even better hire them to help solve the problem because they're going through the thing. 100%. Like, it goes back to tech is for the humans, right? Tech tech for humans. So you got to talk to humans, get to know what their problems are, what are their pain points, what makes them a little frustrated. And it's going to be hard for them to even realize it. That's why the, the value you're adding is by helping them focus on that. That's the power of design thinking. Um, and then whenever I look at these frameworks, I'm like, yo, this is so simple. Like, why doesn't everyone do it? But, and again, this kind of goes back to, like, tech has learned all these things but society hasn't really caught up on it because it's just so different. But like, yeah, like talk to humans. Just like, let's, let's go back to like 20 years ago, like before Mac was popular. PCs for a developer were gospel. That was what you're supposed to use. If you're using PC, you must be dumb. Like, do you, I don't know if you remember that time. Like it was literally like PCs are for smart people. Macs are for people who aren't smart enough to use PCs. Yeah, I remember those ads. It was, it, and, and you know, it's funny, I forgot it was the ads. So that was part of the, um, the the zeitgeist at the time. But it also was a trickle down from these developers who were thinking definitely in that way um, because the Mac was de was designed to be easier to use. Fast forward to now, all developers are using Mac. So Apple, and this has been, this, dead, this horse has been beaten um, dead multiply, 
um, this idea of Steve Jobs is like somebody who really understood that like this is about humans. Um, like now I don't know much about his his relationships with humans and and um, and like talking to them. So this might not be it's not always the best idea, but he brought in the human aspect to it. Like even the story around font, fonts, like an art, um, and and how people might want their words to look a bit more pretty than just like a typewriter. Like that simple concept, the, the GUI um, being a little bit easier to use, the Apple products or where the iPhone being so easy that a baby could use it. Like literally right now, babies learn how to use an iPad before they can definitely. speak. Yeah, my kid definitely can attest to that. Like if I leave my phone around, my iPad, she's already in watching videos without like me doing anything. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's human centered design, and if everybody if everyone has that skill, I think we will fundamentally live in a better world. People can design a better existence for themselves, for their families, for the people around them. When they build companies and, and, and institutions, they can think about more people as they're doing it. Um, but like cause the PC, I think a lot of technology back in the day it was like, look, I made this technology for you. You're welcome. Right, right now it's switched to like, hey, like, I really want you to use my 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 technology. Look, it's so easy to use. Like, I've took taken care of everything for you. Just like, hop on. Like, you don't even have to pay. Forget about money. You don't even need. To, just try it. Just try it. We'll pay you to use it, in a sense, right? So the, the paradigm is com completely shifted, and it advantages people who are thinking about the humans. That they're building for. So anyone who's listening, I really hope that they take your title so literally and they, they make listening to this podcast and engaging with your content a part of their thought process and not just, um, you know, just take it at face, at face value. Like, this is real. Like, if you are really thinking about humans as you're building, because you're also going to think as a developer, you're going to be thinking about the user experience of your team. Like, how are you, how is your team interfacing with you? I've heard of people writing user manuals for themselves that is user-centered design i'm a product my my the developers on my team i need to if i can optimize the experience for them they're gonna love me and you know at this company we're gonna do great things together when we inevitably move to other companies they're gonna be looking for me i think the user experience design a user-centric um mindset is valuable to anyone and i think it's also i wanted to um also, I, I didn't mention this before, I also have a podcast. Um, and it's very much about the, the future of work. So that's that's kind of like another term that kind of encapsulates a lot of my work. I'm thinking about this future of work. This We're seeing a big glimpse of it now, a big peek into the future right now. It's a little oh, bit yeah. forced. So it's like literally like a lab experiment. It's almost like somebody was like, all right, Let's make sure that people can kind of test the waters a little bit before we go, like, full future of work. Um, but all this is real. Like, we being on Zoom, I'm still waiting on, a, on VR. Like, VR this is a really good time for VR to take off. But, um, you know, maybe in the next stimulus check, they'll just send us uh, a VR, our VR headset. But all this technology is moving so quickly. How do we make sure that we're prepared and all prepared, people of all backgrounds, right? So I think, I, I happen to believe that tech people are the most prepared for this future of work. We've been living in it. It's so, like, the novelty is our norm. Like, there's a new framework out, boom. All right, you can, you can apply those same ways of thinking to just anything else that's happening in the world. And a lot of the shift is going to be technological. But how do we make sure that folks that don't consider themselves to be tech people see themselves as people who are savvy enough to use the tools of technology to be able to be effective and to be great in the future of work. One thing I wanted to connect, like you mentioned over time about inclusion, and especially with tech, uh, you know, especially with New York City, everyone, all the students having to work from home, and not everyone has the luxury of having devices at home. There's so many tweets or Facebook messages about four or five siblings sharing one device, right? So yeah. here is something that tech can easily fix. Right. Um, people are like, oh, no, school is you go in person. It's always in person. But now they're showing, no, you can set up classrooms to be from re remote anywhere using any device. And 
but without having people that have lived through it or experienced it or understand the different backgrounds or home lives, there's no way tech companies can provide for that. Like, Rahat, you worked on Ucella, right? Uh, how many messages did you get about students and teachers not being able to perform, uh, sorry, afford your platform, right? I remember right. you telling me all that stuff. But now that with boot camps making it easier for people of different backgrounds joining tech and getting into tech, I feel like there's going to be a resurgence, like a new, new renaissance of technology making life easier for humans in general. And, you know, it's taken a while, but I feel like we're finally getting there. So, like, you mentioned a while back about developer bros looking down on bootcamp grads. I'm like, yeah, I get it. They didn't do four years of CS. They didn't learn data algorithms and system design just like you. But they have a background that you'll never be able to pick up, right? You're trying to fix something. Let's say if you go in and you're trying to create an app for the healthcare space or even feeding the homeless, um, most tech pros don't have any backgrounds with that, right? You're gonna need, you're gonna need developers that have dealt with homelessnesses or uh, dealt with missing meals to understand the problems and try to fix it. Oh, that's a great point. I think the way I would encapsulate that is that we're shifting from this like over specialist state in in the in, in knowledge work to having folks that are part of the larger team and can inject. Because innovation is all about having as many heads in the room as possible that are connecting and connecting ideas. So if everyone all went to Stanford and studied computer science and that's all they were doing for four years, what kind of product are they going to build? You need people in the room right. that have walked different um, uh, different paths in lives. And I think boot camps allow for getting people from different backgrounds because a lot of folks are, are switching careers. Um, and whatever career they had before is going to inevitably inform, inform their work and bring more value to the company because they're coming from a different perspective. So excellent point there about um, the diversity that boot camps unlock. And that's my, that's what I love about um, boot camps. Um, definitely, like, when I was going through this pipeline, did a second bachelor's computer science, I just watched, like, how many black and Latino people were getting the degrees, not getting jobs. So I'm like, okay, this ain't it. Um, go to the boot camps. I see an opportunity for more people to, to people of color to get jobs. Still, not always getting the jobs, or a lot less than always, right? Like the 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 rate. That's something I talk about as well. Even um, when folks go and do the work, folks of color do the work. They still may not. They still another shadow curriculum that's being mixed. They don't fit into the the normal scripts of tech bros. And there's different kinds of tech bros, right? Like. There, there might be some ethnicities that are favored in the industry because that's what's been seen before, right? So right now, like, every company, uh, every CEO is an Indian guy. If you're an Indian dude, this is a great time to, to, to get into, into tech. Like, all you got to do is really know your stuff, right? Um, now, I've worked with um, black and Latino folks that also have to get over the, um, the barrier of how they speak. That's a crazy barrier to get over, right? An Indian man mm -hmm. may have an Indian accent, but I'm hearing that Indian accent, I'm like, yo, this guy, by default, I'm like, yo, this guy probably knows how to code. I, I may not know <laughs> what he's saying right now, but he could probably get down. You know what I mean? And y'all are both Bangladeshi, right? Yeah. 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 So I don't know if, I don't know if you get that, <laughs> but, uh, but, but like, you know, stereotype threat is real. So like, you know, when I talk to one of my Latino mentees, his accent is more akin to like when somebody's hearing his accent, they're not thinking that about him. They're just like, I don't know what this guy is saying. Um, and, and, you know, or, you know, there's a communication barrier. Um, and sometimes it's not just language, it's culture. It's like, I remember one of my mentees, like he started out the conversation, like, Hey, really, really like he felt really comfortable with the interviewer. So he said, Hey, great to meet you, bro. And, yeah. um, like, Depending on who you're talking to. That Depending on who be. you're talking to, like, <laughs> yeah, con yeah. context switching. But he's, like, rarely left the Bronx. So there's all these issues around that, you know, it's hard to blame folks on the other side. But the goal is that how can everyone just think about how we can be more inclusive? Like, if we all have the goal and we realize that innovation is going to happen, the more types of people we have, um, things are going to be more um, accessible for us as well. If other people have opportunities, sometimes people think of it as a zero-sum game. If this guy gets an opportunity, 
if this black guy gets an opportunity, um, then and I don't I I, I don't I, that's not that's I don't want to go I don't want to make um I'll, I'll back up from that like if this guy gets an opportunity of any background and yes the reason why I said the black guy because that's a real conversation right there's like folks that think that um you know there's this talk about reverse racism that yeah if they hire that guy like he must not be good enough it must be affirmative action and he's taking away my spot. That's the same conversation that happens in the college circles, right? Like, oh, there's all these spots. All the black people are taking that. Let's look at the, go look at the numbers again, and it's definitely not the case, right? Um, but I am, I am all about increasing pathways in technology. I think there's just so many ways to learn online now, and there's, there's a need for problem solvers that is criminal for not, um, it's, it's criminal to not, create pathways for anyone who wants to do good work. I love all the stuff that you've been mentioning. Um, another thing that I wanted to kind of talk about too, um, probably, yeah, definitely relates to the things you've been saying. You started something, I think, called Life After Bing. Yep. Where you were kind of helping um, Black and Latino folks, um, I guess, kind of find those pathways after college. Um, yeah, absolutely. talk yeah. a little bit about that? So thanks for, thanks for asking about that. That's... Um, work that stemmed out of going to this upstate, the Ivy of the Sunnis. I say it anywhere I go, just so I can get some more value from the degree that I paid for. <laughs> um, it's, you know, self-proclaimed. Um, great school in Sunni system, State University of New York, upstate New York. Um, and somehow I graduated without knowing anything about this evolving world technology, just being a national technologist. I'm like, how come I don't know about this? Like I'm already doing this same type of problem solving, organizing people, building. Um, I used to do a lot of events and bring people together. Um, so I kind of felt like, why did no one tell me about this, this field? So, and I'm the type of person, like once I start getting something, I, once I start learning about something new, I make sure everybody in my tribe knows about it. So I was actively just like, like, as I was learning about it, I was like, hey, you should get into tech. Like, I didn't even, like, start my CS degree. I'm, like, telling people, like, hey, let's get into tech. No one's listening to me. It's like, yeah, no, nah, I'm not into tech. Like, no, nah, it's not for me, right? Uh, you know, I'm not really a techie type of person. I'm not good at math. So I'm already seeing, like, whoa, there's, like, a huge disconnect here. I need to be the person to change it, right? So I'm like, this is a problem I need to solve. We need more black and Latino folks in tech. So I took it upon myself to get in the field, as I'd mentioned before, um, knowing also that I wouldn't ultimately stay as a programmer for long. I knew that ultimately, and I started to learn as I was at the startup, I learned about product management, and that's the space that I play in. Like if I need to say, oh, what do you do in a role that's in a job description? I would say product manager. Um, but bring me, um, Life After Bing evolved out of the place that I went to school where that problem and, you know, this problem is everywhere in the country. How do I go back to where I'm from? And I thought about doing it at Bronx Science, and I did, you know, connect with a lot of folks with Bronx Science. Um, but the problem was really more in terms of at the collegiate level or the bigger problem. My network was wider in terms of, um, as we know, like, my our high school didn't have a lot of black Latino folks. And that's, like, also really early in the pipeline. So I would have to wait a while to see a result. So it's like, how about Bing? How about I, how do I pick off folks that are about to graduate and um, don't really know what they want to do and get them into tech. So, and, and also give some background about how big this problem is. Binghamton University, I mean, so few students of color were graduating with computer science degree. So I was like, wait a minute. So this, the future is being built. And based on the small sample size of my college, very few of them are black or Latino, almost none, really. Like I could count on my fingers and very few like stayed in the industry. So I was like, all right, cool. So the computer science department is not going to do it, clearly. I have the agency to connect with folks and sell them on this tech dream. So I launched on that journey, and um, I quickly realized that it's not all about tech. It's really about the skills, the skill set. So if you want to be a doctor, how about you be a doctor that's like an innovation-minded doctor, which would be really helpful in time of COVID, Um and innovation would include, and it's not limited to, understanding how to use technology. So I pivoted and said, how do we create this um, Black and Latino alumni organization that's supporting current students and exposing them to all kinds of careers? So um, since starting it in um, 
think I say like technically 2017 um with uh, a couple of friends and then expanding it so some students that we were mentoring that went into various fields became part of my team so we've been able to have two summits to bring um students together connecting with alumni so that's the experience that i, I started to work with um my partners really awesome individuals who were mostly um, students when i first started and now have awesome careers to reimagine what can the career pathway look like if you are constantly aware of what's on the other mm -hmm. side while you're in school. So Life After Bing was really is and was really about having students think about what problems they want to solve. I actually believe that all throughout education, like from pre-K to college, grad, they should always be asking you one question, boot camps as well. What problem do you want to solve? If everyone was asked that question, I think we'd be in a way better world. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think I've ever really been asked that question um, throughout school, college, whatever, even in boot camp um, when I went. It's usually like the first time I ever even like heard of like trying to solve a problem that you have is like just from people like giving advice on like how to break into tech or whatever. And it's interesting that it's never asked at all throughout our entire like we went through what like 12 years of education and four years of college and never came up um yeah it's like it's like there's a lot of things that need to just fundamentally change oh absolutely about, it's like we're taught to kind of accept the status quo um it's easier to to for society to be um trying to find a synonym for control because that sounds conspiratorial um a conspiracy theory <laughs> but yeah, in a sense, I mean, government is about control, right? It's not necessarily that thing, right? Like, you don't want people right. wilding, just running around doing crazy stuff. But at the same time, I think there's value to having more people thinking in an innovative way. I think, I mean, a lot of government and all, a lot of these things are about one-size-fit-all policies. And I think it's, it's, it's really interesting, right? Because I can veer to the side of, like, kind of a conservative view where conservatives like let or libertarian more likely, which is why um, they're so overrepresented in tech actually with Peter Thiel and them. It's like, Hey, just let people kind of do their own thing and um, just navigate the world on their own. But like government provides frameworks and like, for example, like school, every, you know, there's like these frameworks around how school operates and everyone is um, kind of doing the same things, right? There's value in that. Um, but now what, what's possible if students can create their own tracks? And I think unlike before, that's not, it was not scalable with teachers, right? But now a hybrid model fundamentally lends to that individualized learning. Um, how can teachers really individualize how they engage with students? How can you grow a student's interest in whatever if somebody's really into cars right yo throw them in throw them a book about engines yo figure that out <laughs> you, you know you're not interested in the engines like what do you you know what what else are you interested in are you just in painting them or or you know you might go that track in in life and connect other things to that maybe you learn the chemistry of how the paint works and that gets you interested in chemistry um now technology could do that because with humans i mean before, or in some extent now, you need a tutor, an individual tutor. And some people have that. Some people have, I think we, 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 we need to look at what the, 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 what's on the top line of education, like the top of the line education looks like. What are rich folks getting? And how can we use technology to get that to more people that don't have that kind of money? And it's not going to be the same per se, but it would... Um, avail people more of the opportunities to get really quality instruction and to really follow their passion. Awesome. Yeah. All awesome points that you've been bringing up. Um, yeah. Throughout this whole episode. Um, so yeah, we usually like to wrap up our episodes with kind of like a catch up session. Cool. Um, so what are you up to kind of outside of, you know, this work you've been doing? Yeah, man. Um, hmm, outside of the work I'm doing, it's, that's, uh, I think everything connects, right? And especially in time of COVID, everything kind of connects. I mean, this didn't really change much for me, to be honest with you. It just kind of like, just made it more real. It's like, oh, snap, like, future work is really coming. I've been onto something. Um, not that I'm the only one who's onto it. But um, I've, been, I've been thinking a lot about how do you help 
people accomplish their goals. Um, I think, especially with what's going on now, everyone's at home, there's a lot of change. How do people help people accomplish their goals, weather change? Um, how do you design things to do that? So I've been running with a few of my friends. We actually did a conference together called Stay By Stay Home, um, play on South by Southwest, getting folks together, talking about the future of work and other topics. Um, so with that, with that same team, we're working on getting um, daily stand-ups um, off the ground for and for, so I think the motto is going to be um, stand, daily standards for the rest of us right so it's, it's big in tech but um, I think it's really valuable for anyone um, especially what I would call a business creative to have a structured time where they can communicate with other people and say this is what I'm working on this is what I want to accomplish we've, we've been working on that piling that um, starting from humans, and then we can think about technology. If this is something that's valuable, we can do it. You know, I'm sure you've heard of like the mechanical Turk way of doing things when you're starting a business. Like, you know, it's a black box solution. You may not know that they're fulfilling it like the manual way, but you're just happy to like get your delivery. Or you're just happy to get whatever solution that you asked for. So we're mechanical Turking it, um, starting super small. But I'm I'm excited about that project. Um, I've just been connecting with folks. Um, you know, recording stuff for my podcast, the Be Great podcast. Really hope folks um, check us out as well on, um, I'm not going to say not all the podcast platforms, but mainly uh, Spotify and um, Apple. But it's been, it's, I think now I'm thinking of it. So my motto is always be, uh, be, always be connecting, always be building, and always be learning. That's the order of operations. So connecting first, because anything of value is going to come through people, information, opportunities, all that. Um, always be building. Because that's how, that's how, truly how you develop skills and increase your value and you create and solve problems in the world and um, always be learning. So all those three things are highly interconnected and that's what I spend my days doing, even in the time of COVID. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tech for Humans. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. You can tweet us at techforhumans.io or listen to all of our episodes at techforhumans.io. That's tech, the number four, humans.io. Episodes are available on all major podcast platforms.